Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. All right, here we go. Flyers Daily for Thursday, February 17th. Flyers back in action tonight. They're going to kick off a franchise high eight-game homestand tonight. They're going to do so with Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals. They'll see the Caps twice, actually, in their next four games. We'll see the Caps tonight at Wells Fargo, and then the 26th, uh, a week from Saturday, also at Wells Fargo. In between that, Carolina and St. Louis. That'll round out the month of February, and we'll kick off March with the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl coming to town on March 1st. The Minnesota Wild on the 3rd. March 5th, it'll be the Chicago Blackhawks. And then March 8th, the Vegas Golden Knights before they head back out on the road on March 10th against the Florida Panthers. Uh, Martin Jones will get the start in the game tonight. Had to think that this was probably a likely spot for him to get a start. There is a back-to-back coming up on Monday and Tuesday of next week, Carolina and St. Louis. So he'll likely get one of those games, but it's been about three weeks since he played. He has not played for the Flyers since that Islanders game all the way back on the 25th of January. So he has not seen a lot of action. Got to get your backup goaltender into games. And plus, he's a guy on an expiring contract. So he can up his value if he plays well. The Flyers could get something in return for him. So something to keep in mind when it comes to Martin Jones getting the start tonight. As I mentioned, it's the Caps tonight. They are holding down a wild card spot right now. Fourth spot in the Metropolitan Division through 51 games, 27, 15, and 9. 63 points. They're 5 and 5 in their last 10. They won their last one. And the Flyers right now sitting, well, tied for the bottom spot in the division. They've played two less games than the New Jersey Devils, but they're tied in points at 39 because they picked up the overtime point in Pittsburgh. Flyers 2-6-1 and one in their last 10 have now have lost three straight games and look to stop the bleeding tonight and start off this homestand on the right foot. Alex Ovechkin, boy, he's been good this season for the Caps. He's like the ageless wonder. He continues to put up great numbers. How about 62 points for Ovechkin? 31 goals, 31 assists. Getting it done once again. You know, he'll be a factor in the game tonight as well. uh, Because if you put that team on the power play, first of all, you know he's not coming off the ice. You know where he's going to be. It's just a question of can you stop it when he gets that one-timer off from his office right there on the half wall where he just wind up that right-hand shot. We asked Carter Hart a while back, uh, I asked him, I said, what shot in the NHL is the most difficult one to deal with of any player that you've faced? And he said Ovechkin. And I said, well, why is that? Does it just get on you fast? And he said, it's just incredibly hard every time he shoots it. It's a bomb. Everything he does is at max volume or max velocity. And that's why he's going to, to me, the greatest goal scorer in the history of the NHL. So Ovechkin and the Caps tonight. But in this episode, we're going to continue our series on, you know, people's submissions on the question that I've been asking about what is wrong with the Flyers. And I just think I think this is a really cathartic thing to do because we're all obviously very disappointed with how the season has gone. We came in with some expectations. So to get your opinion out there and for other people to hear varying opinions, I think is good as well. Some of it I agree with, some parts I disagree with, some messages I've wholeheartedly agreed with, and some totally disagreed with. But we bring them to you here, and we're going to continue to do that. And we're going to bring you uh, two more here in this episode. And we're going to start out with at Get Me a Molson. It's a great Twitter handle. And he says, he's kind of a newer Flyer fans, and he's got a bunch of different points. His first point, and I've seen this one from just about everybody, 
His first thing that's wrong with the Flyers is player development, and the utilization is the biggest failure of the current group, in my opinion. This is him, what he typed to me. He said, when young players like Provy or TK look like they were ready to take the next step, they regressed. I think part of this is on the front office for not surrounding them with better players to facilitate their development. It's also apparent when we see Frost play. They are asking him to be a better as a two-way forward, but this does not utilize the skills he currently has effectively. He said, I agree that in the long run, improving his two-way game makes him a better player, but right now I feel as though the Flyers are stifling his offensive talents by asking him to tone it down and play better both ways. Again, player development has been something and that you'll continue to hear in this series that we do that is a big question mark right now for the Flyers. You know, you can draft good players, and that's important, but developing them both before they get to the NHL and if they get to the NHL, draft uh, to continue to develop them as NHL players. His second point was number two. I also think good coaching goes a long way with this talent group. Well, good coaching goes a long way everywhere. Uh, the group looked pretty good uh, under AV in the 1920 se- season, who I consider to be a pretty good head coach. And until he lost the locker room, it looked like he have a good tenure in Philly. This offseason, they need to focus on getting a top-tier coach that can get the most out of the talent they currently have. There's some big-name coaches out there with great track records, and the Flyers need to aggressively pursue that. Yeah, I, I think the first part, though, is that they need to figure out what they want to be, what the talent is, how, how to best effectively build the roster and then find the coach that's right for that roster, A. And B... Also, are you going to be a young team that's kind of retooling and rebuilding? Or are you trying to recoil real fast and win now? Because there's different coaches for that situation. There are some big names out there. That doesn't always mean that's the right choice. Guys come in you know, to their first head coaching jobs and have success. You may have to look outside the box. Um, just because it may not be a household name or a name that we've seen win elsewhere doesn't mean that it's the, the wrong hire. That doesn't mean that. So they have to make the right decision, but they have to figure out the path and the identity of the team before making that decision. I think those things, figuring out that identity and path and all of those elements, I'm sure that evaluation and those conversations are happening already. His third point was, and he said, this may be a hot take, but as a newer Flyers fan, I feel as though the fan base can be a problem at times. He said, for example, diehard fans crying to tear it all down this season and start from scratch is a reactionary response that gets us nowhere. He said, while I share their frustration with this team, I don't see a rebuild as being the best path forward for this team. A lot of their players still have big money and or term on their contracts, so your primary core is most likely not moving in the next year or two. The fan base calling for extremes, either win or do a scorched earth teardown, is just setting a lot of fans up for disappointment because drastic measures like that are less likely to be taken, especially if there are other paths out. This creates a lot of discontent along fa- this creates a lot of discontent among the fans, and I think it creates almost a sense of doom and gloom that is somewhat overblown. He said, for example, people saying Coots is washed up, Provi is a second or third pairing defenseman. Travis Konechny is awful, etc. These are all opinions and ideas, mostly based in anger or frustration. Um, it's, you know, <laughs> I don't know that that's a hot take, but, you know, the fans are reactionary. That's what it is to be a fan, you, to be elated at when things go well and to be disappointed 
when they don't. Being a fan comes with expectation, and you want to put expectation on your team, and you don't want to settle for anything below standard. So I, I get their frustration, and I don't put any blame on the fans. I try and approach this podcast from a slightly different angle than a lot of the other Flyer podcasts out there. You know, a lot of the Flyer podcasts, just a lot of fan podcasts, and they they scream and yell and they go crazy and fire this guy and get rid of this guy. I try and take the emotion of fandom out of it and just analyze the situation. And yeah, fans are are, are calling for that. Scorched earth. Tear it down. There's no guarantee that when you tear it down that it's going to lead to success in three, five, seven years. We've seen too many teams do it, and it hasn't gotten them anywhere. And it's easy to say that, but do you really have the stomach for it? Because it's not the only way. Matter of fact, I, I think it's a less likely way to be able to rebuild into a team. Yeah, you draft at the top of the draft, and you might get some good talent, but it doesn't mean that you have a team. This sport is predicated on a team more than any other sport. In basketball, one player can dominate. You still need a team, but in basketball, one player can dominate more than one hockey player. It's just the fact of the matter. Every guy that wears a uniform on the day of a game is playing. They all play in the game. Yeah, some play more minutes, some play less minutes, some play certain situations, some don't, but they all play and they all have a job to do and they all have to do it. And those pieces need to fit. So, look, I understand why people are are down on certain players, like Travis Konechny, like Ivan Provorov. I get it. Is Ivan Provorov a bum? No. Is Travis Konechny a bum? No. Have they been consistent enough, and has their development been a straight line? Absolutely not. That needs to be get that needs to be addressed. That's part of the development where we started this whole thing. And to wrap up what he said, he said, I also. Uh, appreciate you on Flyers Daily not being reactionary and not falling into the trap of letting your frustration with the team's performance cloud your judgment of the entire picture here. There is a decent team here that, when healthy, is a lot more competitive than teams will give them credit for. That's a good email. Uh, it's a good message, and I appreciate it. So thanks for sending it, and uh, grab me a Molson as well. All right, Todd Styles DM'd me as well and said, started listening to your podcast this year, and I'm mad at myself for not finding it sooner. Oh, man, I'm glad you at least found it. We're, we're almost at 550 episodes of Flyers Daily in just a couple of years. We just started it just over two years ago. He said, I have a question for you. Since the 2010 run, the Flyers have had moments to make everyone believe that they can be cup contenders, but every year fall way short on expectations. In my opinion, this year has been a culmination of bad decisions made by the front office, coaching staff, and influential players in the locker room throughout the decade. Where do you think the the blame primarily lies for the last decade of mediocrity between the front office coaching staff or some of our top players? He said, again, I love the show and listen to it every morning. Keep up the solid content. Thanks, Todd. I appreciate that. Leave us a rating and review if you can, a five-star review as well. Uh, you know, you look at this the last decade since 2010, there's been a lot of changes, obviously, early in the decade when Carter and Richards were traded. And you brought in Wayne Simmons. You brought in Jake Voracek. You drafted Sean Couturier with one of those picks at number eight overall uh, in that deal with Columbus. So there was a lot of core players added at that time, but they were also in when Chris Pronger got hurt. Um, that really left a hole for them, and some players aged out like Kimo Timonen and Danny Briere and others. But they were in Capel, and 
Ron Hextall was brought in to kind of get them out of cap hell and draft and and get stock the cupboards again and get the farm system loaded up. And, you know, by everybody's account at the time, he was doing a great job drafting. But when you look at this current front office coaching staff and influential players, you know, Elaine Vigneault was the last coach before Mike Yo was the interim coach. And Mike Yo's in a very difficult position, obviously. I think we all feel for Mike Yo. He really has not uh, had a real fair shake of it, but he goes out and, and he does what he can. Uh, but under Elaine Vigneault in that first year, I mean, I guess you can call them cup contenders. They won a round of the playoffs. They went to a game seven in the second round against the New York Islanders. Yeah, the Islanders look like the better team in pretty much every one of those games, but they did go to seven. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if they were cup contenders or not. I mean, people were messaging me when they won the three games of the round robin inside the bubble and saying, oh, my goodness, we're going to win the cup. You know, but that's fandom. But when you look at it, you know, there's there's been some decisions on players and some trades and some acquisitions and some signings that, you know, have left a lot to be desired. If you go back early in the decade, the James Van Riemsdyk at that time for Luke Shen deal was not a good deal. Uh, he had some really good years, six productive years in Toronto. Then he comes back on a free agent contract, and you know now he's at the end of it with one more year after this one, and he's not the same player that he was. He's not contributing at that same level that he's getting paid to contribute at. And sometimes you get that with players in the final year of a deal, final couple of years in their 30s. But you know when you look at the blame, it's you can't pin the blame on one person. There's a lot of things here. You know, Chuck Fletcher came in, took over for Ron Hextall. I think that Chuck's drafted pretty well, but we don't know yet. You don't really know yet. Tyson Forster has looked really good. And he's injured right now, but when he played, he looked really good. I mean, he had a good year last year in the AHL as an underage. Zade Wisdom did as well. There's other guys in the system, whether that's Emil Andre or other, other players that they have. They look good, but we don't know that until they get to the NHL and if they develop into good NHL players. But that being said, you know, the coaching decision and then the next coaching decision, I think, is an enormous one. They're always enormous when you hire a coach, but they got to figure out what they're going to be. And again, I always go back to this identity thing. I'm, I'm like beating a dead horse with the identity and DNA of the franchise. I think they need to figure that out. And again, I'm sure that these conversations are happening. In the way that they want to move forward, what do we want to be? Do we want to be a big, heavy team? Do we want to be a speed and skill team? Do we want to be one of those teams? I mean, you all, everybody wants to be a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tons of talent, some grit in there, great goaltending, and a great D-man, and, and tremendous depth. That's what you're shooting to be. There's a lot of blame to go around when you're looking over basically 12 years since 2010. There's a lot of blame to go around. I think there's a lot of people that have a piece of the pie, no doubt about it. I mean, you can go back to trading Sergei Bobrovsky and signing Ilya Brzezgalov, bringing in some players that just didn't make sense for what they were. The Dale Weiss contract was one that irked me back in the day, or, or the Andrew McDonald one. Andrew McDonald wasn't as bad as everybody thought, but the reason why he was a player in the crosshairs all the time is because of what he was getting paid. He should not have been paid that contract. But anyway. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. Flyers Caps tonight. We'll break it down tomorrow on a Friday edition of Flyers Daily. Have a great day, everybody.